podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are pr- getting or gearing up for the beginning of the season. Next week, we're going to have a Q&A for all of your guys' questions before the season gets started. And then we also have the preview before the first game. Uh, yes, we are really, really close to this first game. By the time you guys are listening to this episode, it'll be seven days until the Kansas Jayhawks kick off Kansas football for the season. So to help me, though, kind of reset, get us ready for the beginning of the season, uh, and everything that we have going on, it is Mike Plank, editor-in-chief over at Rock Chalk Talk. Mike, how you doing today? Doing all right, Andy. I'm getting pretty excited for some football, even though, you know, we're Kansas football fans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, you know, we are Kansas football fans. It seems like we do this every single year. We find some way to hype ourselves up for the beginning of the season, which is kind of what you need. Um, you know, this year, it's especially important because with all the realignment stuff going on, um, you know, all the potential moves that might end up happening. We have to show that Kansas fans actually do care about football, even though we've had a absolutely atrocious football team for so long. Um, you know, there are us Kansas football fans that are out there that are ready to jump on and, and really show our support for this team. We just need something good to happen. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of possibilities for that. Obviously, uh, you know, Coach Leipold being here is one of those main things. Um, but let's let's go ahead and take a look today. I kind of just want to reset, kind of get our general thoughts, talk about some worst case scenarios, best case scenarios, um, you know, all of that fun stuff and kind of just psych ourselves up and, and, and get ready for the season. So uh, you can think of this either as your hype episode or your bracing for the worst episode, depending on what your particular thoughts are about this Kansas football team. But Mike, before we get into, you know, worst case scenario, worst case or best case scenarios, what are just your general thoughts? Obviously, a lot has happened. You know, we last talked about this team after Leipold had already been hired and we were kind of taking a look at what was going to happen. So over the summer, you know, have you or what have you seen from Leipold? What have you seen from the reports coming out of camp? Um, and, And what are your general thoughts about this Kansas football team going into another season? Well, Andy, it's a lot like you said. Um, you know, every summer, especially, you know, June, July, August, I really I have a bad habit of getting myself hyped up and thinking, okay, maybe we can get four games this year. You know, things go right with pick off a fit. You know, you, you're always talking yourself into this type of stuff, right? I know I'm guilty of it. I'm sure the other seven Kansas football fans out there are guilty of it. But, um but yeah, so over the last, since we talked, well, I don't remember when that was, but, um, you know, I've definitely, I, I'm paying in more. I like what I'm hearing out of practice from guys like, uh, you know, Bryson Stricker and Mike Vernon and, you know, guys on Twitter like that, um, which look them up, give them a follow if you're listening and haven't already. If you're a Kansas football fan, you really need that in your life. Trust, trust me on that. But um, anyway, uh yeah, I'm kind of talking myself into, you know, maybe KU can hit the over on wins this year, which I think most Vegas books have at one and a half. So, um, I don't know. Let's let's find a quarterback and, and let's get that figured out first and let's go play some games and see what happens. Uh, you know, I'm I'm excited to see what he can do with uh, with the roster. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things you have to temper expectations because I think everybody yeah. agrees that Leipold is one of those guys – 
that can get it turned around and barring some sort of complete disaster, I, I fully expect him to get this program back to respectability. The question is how long is it going to take? And, you know, there is, you know, there is a way you can talk yourself into, I mean, this, this roster is more talented than one that he had when he took over at Buffalo. Obviously the comp- the competition is a little bit stiffer than he had when he took over at Buffalo, <laughs> but it's yeah. one of those things where, you know, he has a actually foundation of a really good roster. Yes. They lost Karan Prunty, Marcus Harris, you know, they lost guys that ended up transferring, but they have a lot of really talented guys that are kind of there waiting uh, to, to step in for those guys. It's just a matter of coaching those guys up, getting them where they need to be to actually make them, you know, successful big 12 players. And it's one of those things where they have a nice, fairly easy game against a South Dakota team that, you know, yes, it's an FCS team that Kansas tends to have problems with FCS teams even, but it is one of those things where like it's, they're not one of the better FCS teams. They're not like a, you know, like a, like a North Dakota state or any of those teams that you really expect to, to just be one of the best teams in FCS. Kansas has played those in the past. Um, You know, this team, honestly, like looking at it and, and reading about this team reminds me a lot of that Rhode Island team that Kansas just absolutely demolished. Um, not saying that they're quite as bad. They're, they're, they're probably a little bit better than that, but it is one of those things where there are plenty of reasons to be optimistic about Kansas getting that first game. You know, it's a, it's a pretty easy to pile on Kansas and say, Oh, you know, there's, there's a good shot. They could lose that game and then they're not going to win a game the rest of the year. But based off everything I've read, like that is one where you expect them to go ahead and actually get that win, you know, and then they've got a lot of opportunities against some, some teams early in the schedule that are, that are really down this year. Um, and so it's, you know, you can, you can talk yourself into them potentially having a good beginning of the season, but to, you know, the reality is Leipold has not had even a full off season to work his system to, you know, spring ball. He didn't have that. He got hired shortly after spring ball, then had to get to know the guys and had right. to get, you know, things incorporated. And yes, like this isn't like a, a normal, well, as normal as it can be having a guy come in after spring because that barely ever happens. Um, but, you know, you do have a large portion of the staff that was here for spring ball that was working with these guys that know these guys that are still here on staff. You know, Emmett Jones, um, you know, all the other Kansas coaches that got retained. And so it's, it's one of those things where you can you can talk yourself into seeing the rosy picture that, hey, they, they can still build off what they did in spring ball. Or you can talk yourself into, hey, this is a brand new coach, you know, who's coming in with no spring practices, just working with summer camp. You know, which kind of puts you just barely ahead of where they were last year in terms of, you know, no with with all the COVID stuff, not really having those offseason practices. So um, in, in general, though, which which camp do you kind of fall more towards? Is it those that are kind of seeing reasons for optimism that think that maybe there is something that they can do here? Or is it more of the well, it is Kansas football and they barely had any time with all these guys on the staff? Oh, well, honestly, it's a, it's a true mixture of both. And I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but um, it, it, you need to expect to have a rough season. Uh, you know, 9, 10, 11 losses is not out of the question for this team again. Uh, but that said, there's so much to look forward to, primarily because of the coaching change. I mean, you, you've already hit on everything. Um, you know, the, and, all the, and, and again, this happens every coaching change, right? But all the reports, all the articles you see, everything you hear talks about how the culture is shifting and they're doing this differently and they're doing that differently and, and whatever the case may be. Um, and, and you're right. They've got, they've got talent on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, they've got uh, Devin Neal and, um, uh, you know, a solid running back room there with him. Uh, I think he's expected to be a big contributor this year, even though he's just a freshman. 
Um, they've got a lot of, I think they've got a lot of talent on defense, uh, but it's unproven, right? A lot of it hasn't, hasn't played because like you mentioned, you know, we had a lot of defensive players transfer out. Um, and I think you, uh, I don't know that he nailed South Dakota quite like I would say it, but, um, I don't think they're going to be quite as bad as Rhode Island, right? but the, the FCS preseason rankings just came out like a week ago, I think. Um, and South Dakota is not even receiving votes. So you're right. It's, it's a middling, I don't, I don't, I don't want to use, make any South Dakota fans upset, but it's a middle level FCS team. This is a team that even a bad D1 team like Kansas should be able to handle hopefully relatively easily. That's a game KU should win by three or four touchdowns. Now, is it going to be, you know, 42 to 21, or is it going to be 28 to seven, you know, cause there's, <laughs> you know, I, I'd obviously prefer the higher scoring game, you know, if I'm Kansas, but uh, you know, cause I'd like to see the offense get out to a good start and put up some points and put up some yards and get some confidence and, and work their schemes and, you know, what they need to do with that type of stuff. So, uh, but yeah, I, <laughs> And I know that's probably not the answer you're looking for, but I really think it's a true mix of both. It's, they're not going to win very many games this year, but there's a lot to look forward to. The de- the development of the young guys. Les Miles brought in a lot of talent. I mean, that's one thing he did <laughs> while right. he was here, was he brought in some talent, and it's going to be Leifold's job and the staff under him to develop that. Um, and, and you're right. They've only had, you know, three, four months to work with these guys. So, KU's probably going to be a better team at the end of the year than they are at the beginning of the year, but that's not going to mean much because their quote-unquote easier games are in the beginning of the year. So even though they may get better, you know, they still may not – it may not show up in the win column. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely one of those things where, you know, that's part of what makes this so difficult is, you know, all the games that you think are potentially winnable are early. So unless they really hit the ground running, really get everything to gel pretty quickly – you know, you have to think that it's going to be difficult for them to get those wins they potentially could. Um, but you're right. Like, it, it is one of those things. There, there wasn't really an answer I was looking for. Um, honestly, I'm kind of right with you, right smack dab in the middle, where I could see lots of reasons to be optimistic about this team, but lots of reasons to be super cautious, one of which is, sure. you know, we've been burnt so many times in the past. But to your <laughs> point about Les Miles, and I mean, I've been saying it on here for a while, Les Miles actually, in years one and two of what Les Miles did here at Kansas, that was the plan. Like, the plan was to bring in a bunch of recruits, get the roster fixed, upgrade the level of talent that was inside the program, and if you could get it all to work together and steal a few wins, then that was a bonus. Like The the expectation was not that Kansas was going to win six games in Les Miles' first two years. The expectation was you should win, you know, three or four maybe over the course of the two years, be be somewhat competitive towards the end of the second season, get the roster restocked, set that foundation, get your coaches developing guys, and then those young guys you brought in in years one and two can start to show dividends on the field in years three and four. That's where we're at. We're in year three, essentially, of the Les Miles project, except Les Miles isn't here anymore, so now it's Leipold's. Um, you know, right. so like th- this is honestly right on track. The only hiccup that we had obviously was all the off season drama and all the changes and everything. And then of course there's more distractions of all this realignment stuff and like, everything that's going on. And so, yes, it, you probably took a little bit of a step back, but this was the year where we were expecting them to start putting it together. And well, that's going to look tactically a little bit different, but the fact that you do keep so many of those assistant coaches means that. Ultimately, it's not going to be a wholesale change. We're not completely turning over the coaching staff. We're not completely turning over the roster. We're not doing any of that stuff. 
And so there is stuff that we can build on. There is stuff that we can take a look at, um, you know, and expect something from this team. Again, that, that expectation, I don't think should necessarily be, you know, two or three wins even. Uh, the expectation should be that this team is going to be competitive. It's going to develop over the course of the year. And by the end of the season, we're going to see what is potentially turning into, you know, at least a middle of the road Big 12 team in the future, you know, two, three years. And so there, there's a lot of work still to be done. Obviously, there's a lot of possibility for improvement and, and things that we can do moving forward. But it's definitely, you know, th- there's definitely room for optimism, which which I think, you know, less miles when he came to town and there was a ton of optimism about him getting turn- things turned around quickly, you know, from a lot of the fan base that, you know, saw his enthusiasm and saw his energy and everything and expected, oh my gosh, we've got less miles, you know, national championship head coach that is going to get everything turned around. That, that wasn't real. That was a lot of hype, which is what less miles needed to do. Get the hype, get people excited and, you know, take a look. Um, that's not what we have here. This is building off of what we had really kind of seeing potential improvement and just going from there. So, okay, so I do want to jump in. Let's let's get the depressing stuff out of the way first. Um, worst case scenario here, What what is the absolute worst case scenario that you can actually see for this season? Like, is it one um, of those things where you realistically think there's a chance without, like, catastrophic injuries or something like that, that Kansas loses to South Dakota and just completely gets shut out for the entire year? Oh, absolutely. It's a possibility. Um, and I think that's the worst case scenario. I don't, I don't think it's super likely i think probably one in 11 is the most likely worst case scenario quote unquote but 0 and 12 is absolutely a possibility um you know if if that uh you know the south dakota game is close at halftime and and the guys are tight coming out in the third quarter and can't move the ball and you know it's another 12 to 7 type of game uh you know they, they absolutely could drop that game and then and then it only gets harder from there on out, right? Like you get right. a, a ranked a ranked Coastal Carolina team at Coastal Carolina, um, and then you have a conference game, and then you have to go on the road to Duke, and then you have to go on the road to Iowa State. Like it, it yeah, it just doesn't get any easier after that. So yeah, game one I think is is key to the season, which is kind of sad to say, but that's where that's and that's where we've been at with Kansas football for the last what three head coaches four head coaches i do think that there is an argument that you can make that even losing that game against south dakota but then developing and getting to the end of the season you know and being 0 and 12 but having development i think would actually be a better case than you barely squeak out the game against south dakota nobody really develops and by the end of the year we're losing you know 70 to to 10 or something like that so like (laughs) i I definitely think that there are there are cases where, you know, that I could make that 0-12, but seeing big, big player development throughout the course of the year is actually better than actually winning that first game, but not getting that upward trajectory that we need. Um, because I think that's really what's going to, you know, what's going to take it. If, if you're being competitive in those games or, you know, being competitive for, for more than a half and then ultimately, you know, the better talent that teams like Oklahoma and Texas and, and you know, those guys have – ends up pulling away at the end of games, but you can generate some excitement. You can, you know, see some big plays from some guys. You can, you can see that optimism for the next year. I definitely think that's a much better case scenario. And I'd be willing to live with the lumps of an 0 and 12 season in the first year that Leipold is out is, is on the job. As long as we have real, real results there in terms of individual players getting better that, you know, are going to stick around. And so, yes, I, I do agree though. Like, it's definitely possible they could lose that first game just because things don't gel or the offensive line doesn't come together. But everything that I've heard makes me think that like 
that that's what Coastal Carolina did was they came and punched everyone in the mouth. Uh, you know, the beginning of last year and, and Kansas had a good opportunity to actually win that game last year. Um, you know, if it wasn't for some refing shenanigans, which big 12 refs got to love them. Um, but, you know, it, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where, you know, this this Kansas team is so much better offensive line, just personnel wise that that I, I'm having a hard time imagining that they actually lose that South Dakota game. So I am willing to say that that they're not going to lose that game. Worst case scenario for me, I think, is one in 11. Um, but you're right. Like there is definitely a possibility they could lose that game. I think some, th- some serious things would have to go wrong, either an injury on the offensive line that completely destroys any cohesion that they built, um, you know, or a quarterback who, whoever they identify just can't handle the, the moment and, you know, throws three picks or something like that. So I, right, I, right. I don't know how likely that is. Like I said, it's not that I'm downplaying South Dakota, but they are not one of the, you know, the teams that is ultimately, a shoe in to, to pick somebody off. It's just a matter of can Kansas play the game that we know Kansas can play. So, all right. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's also one of those things like, so, so I do want to shift over to the best case scenario, but before we do that, um, did just want to talk about today's sponsor, you know, talking about the, the works that they could possibly get and jumping in before things take off. Um, you know, sponsoring the podcast, uh, is symbol, uh, we actually talked about them earlier this week, but Symbol is a stock market for sports. allows you to trade sports teams like stocks. You can earn cash payouts when your teams win. It's blended sports in the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams. You can use that, that sports knowledge you have to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. I think the, the best part, my favorite part about this is that when you buy into a team, you're essentially buying a share of a team. You get a payout when they win. So you can buy super low, on a, especially on a team like Kansas, Buy them super low. Last I saw, they were like 10 bucks for a share. And you get, I believe it's 50 cents for every game that they potentially win. But as things start to turn around, you know, the value of that can go up and you you can go ahead and sell that share. But um, it's it's an absolute interesting or it's it's a really interesting idea. I am really intrigued by it. I've already jumped on and purchased a share of Kansas. So you guys can definitely join me or find any other teams. They have NBA, NFL and MLB teams as well. Uh, but they're offering a very special giveaway to the entire 1012 network and Rock Chalk podcast specifically. They're going to hold a drawing to give away two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choice. Um, all you have to do is sign up for Symbol, make a $25 deposit using the promo code CHALK12, and you'll be entered for a chance to win those two tickets to your favorite team this season. So just go to, to www.symbol.app. You can create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure you use that promo code CHALK12 so you can get entered for those two tickets to a game of your choice. Hello, Frog fans. I am Melissa Treeblosser, and this is the Hit the Horn podcast, your source for all things PCU athletics. And I'm Colin Post, and together we'll keep you up to date on all things Horn Frog sports, providing perspective as two people that cover TCU and are also fans of the Frogs. Each week, we'll recap the biggest games on the schedule, including football, basketball, soccer, volleyball, and more. So when you're looking for the latest news, insights, and even our opinions, be sure to hit the horn and give us a listen. Moving on to the best case scenario. How, how many games do you think it's actually possible? Because I've identified, I think, four or five games where it's possible that Kansas could win. I don't know that even my best case scenario is them winning all of those. But I, I am interested, what do you think is the absolute best that this team could do? 15-0, national champs, baby. <laughs> oh, man. Mike, that was a good laugh. I really enjoyed it. Um, oh, okay. uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. 
that that sounded so scripted and yet absolutely was not but anyway um (laughs) so uh no that's that's probably about right uh obviously we've already talked about south dakota um the duke game duke is the lowest rated team like if you look at some of the more more advanced stats out there s&p plus stuff like that duke is the lowest rate the next lowest rated team i guess i should say from other than south dakota on the schedule it is a road game um but then we did smoke boston college a couple years ago at boston college and the eagles were ranked way better than duke is now so um like that that's a possibility for a win even though it's a road game uh let's see we get baylor at home uh we do have to go oh no we get texas tech at home Correct. Uh, Baylor, Texas Tech, 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 and West Virginia are probably the next three worst teams above KU and the seven, eight, nine teams in the Big 12. Those are all home games. Uh, You could make an argument that KU picks up a game or two out of those three. Um, (laughs) After that, it gets really hard to find wins. Uh, You know, uh, Coastal Carolina, yeah, they're a Sunbelt team, but they've smoked us two years in a row now. Uh, Iowa State, Oklahoma, obviously top 10 teams. Texas, I mean, we've played Texas well the last couple of years, but, you know, it's at Texas. They obviously have all the five-star kids. They're going to have all the talent in the world. Uh, maybe we catch them on a down night. Maybe you can. Maybe we could get them again. I don't know. But, you know, maybe we'll get 14 holding calls against Texas this year, you know, for the way that they uh, <laughs> handled this offseason. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I think South Dakota and then maybe – two out of Baylor Tech and West Virginia. Uh, I, I'm not really sold that TCU is a very good team this year, but that's at, that's at, in Fort Worth. Um, so I don't know how likely, again, winning a big – Kansas hasn't won a Big 12 road game since 2008, I believe. Yeah, 2008, so. 13 years. So yeah, something – 50-some-odd games. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't expect them to correct that this year. Uh, I suppose it's possible that uh, – but, yeah, you know, three, four, you could talk yourself into four wins if you're really hitting the Kool-Aid hard. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's one of those things. So I I agree with you the with the actual games that you've identified. Like, I, I think best-case scenario, South Dakota's an, a, a fairly easy win. Um, you know, Scott Chasen actually said last week that he thought that Coastal Carolina is one of those, like, games that Kansas has no business winning, but they might actually be competitive in and, and have an opportunity. I, I don't know how likely that is, but, I mean, I could I – could, potentially be talked into it, but I I have other ones that I like a lot better than that. Um, You mentioned Duke. Duke is going to be, I think, the easiest of the non-South Dakota games to win just because of how bad Duke is. You know, they're going through their own transition period right now. There's a lot of questions about whether their coach is going to be here after this season. Like, there's a lot of issues with that potential or with that particular Duke team. So I definitely think that that is probably the easiest one. Plus, you know, it is an ACC team on the road. You know, the last time that happened, Kansas went and shocked everybody by completely demolishing Boston College. So I wouldn't be surprised if something similar happened this year. Um, You know, then you're right. Baylor and Texas Tech, I think, are the next two. Those, I think, are fairly big consensus of the, you know, two worst teams in the Big 12 that are not named Kansas. Um, And so getting both of those at home is a huge benefit. Uh, You know, I also have questions about Dave Aranda and his ability to, to get an offense that is successful down there at Baylor. So, yes, they brought in guys um, to kind of help with that. You know, they brought in, I believe, the well, offensive coordinator from from BYU from last year. So, like, there's a lot of Charlie Charlie ahead. Brewer transferred out too, if I'm Correct. not mistaken. So Correct. they're they'll be breaking in a new quarterback, and yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, I mean, if you want more intel on that, you actually can go back to our Baylor preview. But yeah, it's definitely one of those things where Baylor is a team that is ripe for an upset in that particular game. Um, and, and then Texas Tech, you know, homecoming, that's obviously a little bit more emotion. Texas Tech has played very bad against Kansas, even in years where they're supposed to be a whole lot better. Um, you know, so like I think those three games, I almost think it's a shoe in that they get one of those. I don't know which one, but like there's so many opportunities. Those are so close to coin flip games for me based off of all this, the, you know, all of the circumstances surrounding them that I, I have to think that they get one. The question is, you know, can they get more? And so, like, I think I could realistically talk myself into them getting those all three of those games, you know, being four and two after homecoming week. Um, and, you know, at that point, everyone's feeling really great about the program. And then the gauntlet hits, you know, and then it's a matter of can they steal another one somewhere? I am still until it doesn't happen. I am going to hammer home the point that I still think the Kansas is going to upset Texas this year. Um, I thought they were going to do it last year and they were going to be the ones that sent Tom Herman on his way. Obviously, it didn't happen because it got canceled. But, you know, this Texas team, you know, for whatever reason, they just they don't handle playing Kansas very well. They play down to their competition quite a bit. I don't know how much of that was Herman or Charlie Strong, um, you know, and how different Sark will be. But you have to think Sark being a first year coach here at Texas, you know, bringing in a brand new quarterback. They just got done with their, you know, with with their quarterback competition there. You have to wonder how that's going to work out. So, you know, there's a lot of possibilities there for Kansas. Yes, Texas is much more talented, but Kansas, for whatever reason, plays Texas fairly well um, for the most part. And TCU is another team that they play really well. I do think the TCU is going to be a really good team this year. But, you know, if there's going to be a weird one that Kansas has absolutely no business winning, that they somehow win, that that's a game that I would circle because they played so many weird games. You know, you had the butt fumble win. Um, you know, you had the, <laughs> yeah. the, other, the other one on the other side where, you know, Kansas had, what, like 15 yards positive, uh, like 15... <laughs> net yards after like three and a half quarters or something like that. So like there's yeah, been some the, really the running clock game. Yeah. Yeah. There's been some really weird games in this T or in this TCU Kansas series. So I would not be surprised to have that, to see that be another one. Like, you know, if absolutely everything went right, there is a possibility that Kansas could potentially get two five wins. I'm not counting that. I'm not counting on that. I don't think that that's a realistic best case. I think realistic best case is probably four wins. And that's if you get all four of those early in the season, and then just kind of, you know, build off of that for lots of development going into the offseason and just feel really good about this team going into next year. Yeah, I mean, and like, like we kind of talked about, if, if the games are, if the three Big 12 games we talked about, um, Tech, Baylor, and West Virginia, if those are all close and the ball bounces the right way, you could talk yourself into a six and six year in a bowl game. I mean, it's. Which would be insane. Not, that would be insane, but it's not that far fetched, right? Like. Right. Ball, ball, the, I mean, the football bounces weird ways sometimes, and it's mostly bounced against us for the last 11 years. But, uh, Look, um, if, you know, if, who, if, who Leipold, if Leipold takes this team to a bowl game in his first season, they're going to build a statue for him in the offseason. <laughs> and Kansas is going to get an invite to the Big Ten right on the spot. Like, it's the <laughs> – okay, not really. But, you know, it's one of those things, like, that would be such a huge jolt in the arm for this program um, that I, you know, I can't even – think about it too much because I would get too giddy about it and be super disappointed because we know it's not actually going to happen. But um, yeah, uh, but, but could you imagine the hype oh my going into the Saturday before Thanksgiving, KU's five and six and West Virginia's coming in and KU wins and they get to go to a bowl game. Like look, Leipold I, would be coach. It would of the be year. incredible. Like it would be, na- he would be national coach of the year. If something like that happened, um, you know, I mean, taking a Kansas team that was <laughs> zero and 10 last year, 
had, <laughs> you know, a horrible record in Les Miles era um, and has been downtrodden for that long to take them back to a bowl game in his first season. I, I like it would be it would be unanimous selection, which is absolutely insane to even think about. Obviously, it's not going to happen. We've we've talked this up for absolutely no reason. But, hey, we have to dream right. at some point. Beginning of the season right. before anything's actually started is pretty much the only time you get to do that as a Kansas fan. So, um, and and I'm going to be honest, it's kind of a little sad that our you know absolute pie in the sky you know throw a parade type of scenario is that Kansas goes to a bowl game. So, right, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, like sneaks into a bowl game. So, but anyway, that that's yeah. all right. Um, all right, so a little bit of a shorter episode today, but I did want to kind of get your thoughts on and kind of anything else that's kind of floating out there. General thoughts about this team. Um, any particular player that you're really excited to be able to watch in this first game coming up against South Dakota? Um, well, it's, it's got to be whoever the quarterback is, right? And I'm hoping it's Jason Bean. I'm really excited about him, the North transfer or North Texas transfer. Um, but, uh, you know, if it's Miles Kendrick, then then I'm equally excited to see what Leipold and, the, and Colonel Nicky, is that the name of the offensive coordinator, can do with, with Miles Kendrick because, right. um, you know, we, we, I, I feel like there's some untapped potential there as well. He was so good at junior college and we just haven't seen that manifest here at D one yet. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm most interested in whoever the quarterback is. I think running backs will be fine. Um, got a, got a good running back room, but you know, that's, you know, most D one programs have at least one good running back, right? I feel like we have right. two or three. Uh, I think uh, Hickson's going to be pretty good. Obviously Neil's going to be pretty good. Uh, and Dalton Gardner should be just fine. He's already been good. So um, yeah, the running back a, room should be fine. But yeah, we have a group of like yeah, five. We have a group of like five running backs that all bring something different and could potentially see significant playing time this year, just depending on how everything breaks out. You know, including. Oh, a guy yeah, I haven't like, even mentioned Highshaw like, yet. Yeah. Right, in, including a guy like Highshaw. You know, Chase, or Scott Chasen and I were kind of talking um last week about you know he could potentially be like a wildcat quarterback for for certain packages i could see him getting on the field as a fullback in this offense um instead of as a running back but there's a lot of a lot of different things that they could do it really just depends on how creative kotelnicki and the rest of this offensive staff gets with the with that running back room because there's a ton of different things that they can do um yeah last i had seen I, i believe that bean is kind of starting to work his way back into the competition there were potentially some concerns about just how quickly he was he was grasping everything that KU wanted him to do. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I do think they have a pretty good competition that Miles Kendrick seems to be impressing a lot of people. Um, and even if Bean is kind of pushing his way back into competition, I don't know that you can necessarily go wrong with any of those three guys because I, I don't think you can honestly say that any of the two guys that have been here in Miles Kendrick or Jalen Daniels really got a fair shake to show what they could do, you know, in the last few years. Miles um, Miles Kendrick in his time has been shuffled back and forth and, um, you know, he he played fairly well at times last year, but with no offensive line to speak of last year, it's right. really hard to take anything right. from that other than the fact that, you know, Jalen Daniels has a cannon for an arm, probably needs to do a little bit better with his decision-making, but, you know, those are all things that you can work on, all things you can fix. And so I'm not really sure what's going to happen here. The nice thing about Bean is that if, if he does not win the job this year but is close enough that he can get some some, some playing time, you know, he does have two years of eligibility. So he will be able to potentially step up into that role next year if you know he's able to, to, to actually win that job, whether it's halfway through this year um, or gets it at the beginning of this year and kind of shares it with people. I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing, though, if Kansas ends up starting more than one quarterback this season because they do have so many guys that do so many different things. And like we talked about, you know, like 
normally the fact that they haven't named a starting quarterback for the opener at this point would cause a lot of people to panic. And, you know, I've already heard some people talking about, oh, my gosh, here we go again. Kansas isn't going to name a quarterback. Well, you know, I heard someone on, on the radio talking about how, you know, this staff has only pretty much had like six weeks to evaluate all these quarterbacks. It's not that surprising that they're not ready to say this is the guy that we're <laughs> going to, you know, run the season with at this point because you don't select yeah. a quarterback with the expectation that he's going to start one week and then the next week you're going to look at another guy. You, you wait as long as you possibly have to to make sure that you pick the guy that you think is going to go the entire season for you and then make someone show you something that takes him out of that starting lineup if he does. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to give them some more time, give him a little bit more leeway than I normally would. Like if this was like Les Miles and Brent Deerman saying, oh, well, we don't know which quarterback we're going to start and be like, what the hell are you doing? Why? Like we should know this by now. But this is not that case. Like this is one of those things where I'm definitely willing to give them a lot more time than I probably would anyone else because of the unique circumstances that they're in at this point. So um, what about on the defensive side? Is there anybody that really is jumping out to you based off the reports or, you know, a guy or a position that you're really intrigued to see how they stack up against South Dakota? Well, the most question marks we have are up front uh, along the defensive line. And then uh, even into the linebacking group, I think the secondary will be fine. They they've got, I know we lost Prunty, like you mentioned at the beginning, but uh, um, you know, they've got enough guys coming back and I think they got a couple of transfers in as well. Who's, Names are both escaping me at the moment, but that's all right. But I think the secondary will be fine. Uh, and then the safeties obviously both return. Uh, Kenny Logan and um, another name that's escaping me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I had, them all, uh, I, I had them all pulled up and then I moved away from it. And now I don't actually Yeah, remember. I did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, lot, um, to answer the question, linebacker's probably where I'm most interested just to kind of see where everybody falls. I'm interested in seeing uh, Wheeler, I believe is his name, the Michigan transfer. Um, and then Kyron uh, Johnson, I think he may have moved up to the line. Um, but uh, I'm interested to see how the linebacking group shakes out. Um, are, th- are they going to rotate them a lot? Are they going to start three guys and mostly go with those three guys? Um, because there's just there's just so many questions. It's it's pretty much Gavin Potter and Bill in the blank, right? Um, right. So well, I, I'll be interested to see who won jobs coming out of camp and and how many snaps they actually get. Like, it's one thing to start. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of like what they say in basketball. It's not, it doesn't, the important thing is not who starts, it's who finishes, right? It's who's on the floor at the end of the game when it really matters. And I, you know, you can, you can apply that same philosophy to football, I think. Uh, but uh, I, I'm most interested in seeing how the linebackers shake out. Yeah. I mean, you know, Scott and I were, were talking and he, he actually shared some, some tidbits where they've actually changed like the responsibilities of the linebackers. Whereas before last year, you know, you had like a three, four defense. So you had linebackers that were really involved in, in coverage, but also that run, you know, that run help. Um, but there was four of them on the line and, you know, it was probably our thinnest right. position on the entire field, um, you know, including <laughs> offensive line. Like it was a super thin position last year with all the injuries that they had. This year, there's a good chance that I might go to like a four-two-five, where they have five defensive backs, four defensive linemen, and just two linebackers in the middle of the field. Um, so, like that immediately helps with the linebacking position because you know if that's where you're thin, then having less of them out on the field at a time, like it changes what they do a little bit. But then you don't have to worry about you know three or four guys potentially being out of position or doing something wrong. It's just two. Um, but from everything I've heard, Gavin Potter is impressing a lot of people in in camp. Um, you know, they have a lot of other guys that are there. Uh, in the linebacking core, including Eddie Wilson, who transferred in. Um, wait, I, did I say that right? Is that the right guy? I think so. Uh, yes. 
and now I'm not seeing him on here. For some reason, I don't actually see him on the roster, which is really, really weird. No, I'm sorry. Eddie Wilson is a receiver. Rich Miller is the guy that I'm thinking of that transferred yeah. in from Buffalo. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. I was going to say, I said it. I thought it was wrong immediately, and then I proved myself right. And it's not even Eddie. It was Trevor Wilson is <laughs> the wide receiver that I'm thinking of. Man, I am I am on a roll today. And tell you how, how ready I am for football, that I'm scrambling everything else together because I'm so excited for it. So, But, yeah, um, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of movement, a lot of things that they're doing differently. And I think the most the the most encouraging thing to me is just the fact that you know new defensive coordinator and Brian Borland. Uh, I am really looking forward to see what they can do with these guys. You have a coaching staff that I think you can be confident in. That yes, it, again, it might take time, but I don't have any reason to discount what they are able to do. You know, in the long run with this with this group of players. So. Obviously, we all want them to get it done as quickly as possible just so we can have an opportunity to potentially get a, f- a few wins early in the year. Um, but again, if, if it takes halfway through the season for things to really gel and then we start to see some significant improvement, even as the, the, the competition gets better, I still think that that's something that every Kansas fan would be happy with. Um, all right, so I think that's actually going to do it for us today. Any other final thoughts about this team or anything realignment-wise that you want to throw out there before we get out of here for the day? Um, well, you know, I've heard that it's imminent that, uh, that K-State's going to the Pac-12 and um, yeah. KU's going to the Big Ten. And no, I don't know anything about any realignment stuff. Um, I, you know, obviously, I, st- I wrote an article a week or so ago, maybe two weeks now. Um, I think Big Ten's obviously what KU leadership needs to set its sights on and, and do whatever they have to do to make that happen. Um, I'm not too terrible, just as a fan. I'm not too terribly interested in any of the other options, be it the ACC or the Pac-12 or or whatever. And I'm definitely not interested in, you know, bringing along, you know, a, a Cincinnati and a Houston and a Memphis and a Boise State into the Big 12. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, yeah. but it's like everybody's saying on Twitter, like, like you know, our like, like the RCT account is saying on Twitter, which I don't run, full disclosure. Uh, but uh, nothing's going to happen until Texas and Oklahoma – actually leave and and i do believe that that makes sense to me in my head um that the rest of the dominoes aren't going to fall until we know when they're leaving and what the circumstances are following their actual exit is it four years from now are they going to pay the money and leave next year you know what until we know the answers to those type of questions i don't think anything's going to change yeah it's also one of those things like i i have to think at this point that you know like you say, like, I, I agree that the dominoes, once the dominoes fall in terms of when we know exactly when Oklahoma and Texas are leaving, how much money they're going to pay, what that payout actually looks like. Because, you know, it very well could be a case where they negotiate something where, like, I don't think it's likely that they negotiate a, a decrease in the payouts and leave early. Because I don't think anyone in the Big 12 that's left is really going to want to say, hey, we'll take less money so that you can get out of here faster so that we can move on. It's like, no, no, we're going to take the full amount of money that we possibly can in terms of buyout and continue to collect all the checks, you know, that come from our from our media rights agreement with you guys here. So, like, if you want out, you're going to have to pay extra. So, like, depending on how willing they are to pay or how much ESPN is willing to, to pony up to help them get out and over to the SEC, like, we could be stuck here for another four years trying to figure this out. Like, I, right. I, I don't think it's, like, I, I don't think that we're going to know more until either OU or Texas leave or if they hang on for quite a while until some of these other leagues start to have their TV contracts expire and get renegotiated. So there's there's still plenty of time for this. But I do think that once it happens, it's going to happen pretty quick. Like, 
we're going to be waiting a whole bunch. Then all of a sudden we're going to get, oh, here's the details about OU and, and Texas leaving. And then, you know, it could be as early as like three days later. Oh, well, Kansas has been talking to the Big Ten and now they know that when this is going to happen. So then they, now they know when they're going to leave, you know. And, and so like, like again, not, not saying that that's a done deal or anything like that. I'm not trying to report any of that stuff. So please don't jump on me, guys. But it is one of those things where I think there's a lot of discussions happening. I think there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that we have absolutely no idea. And everyone is saying all the quote unquote right things of, you know, we're going to wait until 2025 when everything expires and, you know, conferences aren't talking about adding anybody or really even exploring it at this point, mainly because they don't want to deal with the constant questions that are going to keep coming. So if you shut the door now and say, you know, we're not doing anything at this time, you know, looking at you, Pac-12. Um, that basically is your way of, of shutting down any further questions, even if you actually are back channel talking with people to try to figure out who you want to bring into the conference. So, um, yeah, we're not going to hear anything, I think, until the end of the season at, at the latest or I'm sorry, at the earliest. Um, and so we can enjoy this football season, kind of put realignment on hold. Um, you know, expansion isn't going to happen until again. Big 12 expansion isn't going to happen until we know what's going on with Oklahoma and Texas, because I can guarantee you right now, even if the rest of the conference wanted to go ahead and bring on additional members to kind of soften that blow when Oklahoma and Texas do leave, um, I don't think anybody wants to share that money and the potential buyout money that's going to be coming until we actually know what the circumstances are and what that situation is going to look like. So, all right, Mike, well, um, Thanks for joining me tonight. Uh, anything that, you know, there's just a few more days left, obviously, until football season, uh, kind of ramping up for the beginning. What what other kind of coverage are we expecting over on Rock Chalk Talk, and what are you really excited to write about next week before we have our first game? All right, well, uh, it's almost game week, right? So we're going to get started in, uh, you know, in a little bit more in-depth preview of South Dakota and take a look at what they've got and maybe how Kansas matches up. and um, yeah, so I mean, we'll, we'll do a couple other fun things. We'll take a look at Jayhawks in the NFL, and um, I can't remember what all we have. But, uh, yeah, there's a couple different things coming out, and uh, football season's ramping up, and so we'll get that stuff coming out for you guys. Yeah, yeah, it's a little weird. I'm actually looking forward to writing articles other than, hey, here's the podcast episode that you really want to listen to. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're all ramping up. We're all getting ready. Um, you know, it, it's we've got a great crew over there at Rock Chalk Talk. Definitely recommend that you guys go ahead and check all of that out if you haven't already. Um, although if you're listening to this podcast, you probably heard me enough of talking about all the stuff we have over there. So I, I can guarantee you're probably already at least paying attention to it over there. But, um, but yeah, Mike, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you, Mike, so much for joining me. Oh, I'm sorry. One last thing, just, just a reminder to everybody that, you know, Mike is my football co-host during the football season. So he will be coming on after every game to do our recap episodes, which will probably be dropping on Tuesdays of every week. Um, so, so just programming schedule moving forward this next week, we have a Monday episode. That's going to be our mailbag episode. If you have not sent in a mailbag question, go ahead and get them in. Cause we were recording that over the weekend. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, I have Kyle Davis from rock truck talk coming on so, so that we can go ahead and actually get all your guys questions answered that have already been submitted. Um, and then next week, because it's a Friday game, we're going to have our preview episode for South Dakota coming out on Thursday. Um, normally though, our schedule will be Tuesdays and Fridays, most likely, um, so that we can have all of those episodes for you. You can have a consistent schedule to kind of remember where everything's at. So, uh, you know, we have a lot of great coverage coming up for you in football season. Of course, we are part of the 1012 network. So it's not just this show here covering the Kansas Jayhawks, but you know, I'm over on the 1012 podcast every Monday, uh, kind of recapping the week for the entire conference. And, you know, as long as we are a conference at this point and, and who knows in the future from there, but you know, and then we have a bunch of other great shows from around the big 12 conference to get you all the news that you're going to need 
to you know talk about all of these teams to know what to expect when Kansas does actually come up and play those teams so but Mike thank you so much for joining me thank you guys so much for listening if you haven't already please to go out wherever you get your podcast whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher any of the other million apps that are out there just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe to the podcast and get every episode as soon as it comes out if you can give us a rating and a review uh, would, would absolutely love it. Just let us know if, if you're not able to do five stars and all the nice comments and everything, just let us know what it is that we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need and as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. You know, we are on the anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail. If you want to leave your question for the mailbag as a voicemail, I already have one. Really excited to share it with you guys because it's absolutely hilarious. But just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message. You can leave that voicemail there. I promise we'll get it on the show as long as it's not entirely inappropriate. So, uh, But being part of the 1012 Network, you can find all the shows like I talked about. Just go to Twitter at 1012 Network. That's T-E-N-1-2 Network. And you'll get you know links to all the shows, talks about everything that's going out there. Really great group of people to work with there. But that is going, going to do it for us today. Make sure you do go visit our sponsor, Symbol. Uh, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P. Get signed up using the promo code Rock. I'm sorry, Chalk12. Uh, $25 deposit will get you in the drawing for those tickets. But that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.